Hello, everybody, and welcome into the CLNS Media Red Sox Beat Podcast. My name's Nick Qualley, and I'm joined this week by, I mean, I'm going to say guest host for the week, Tom Giles, NBC Sports Boston. So, Tom, thank you for coming on tonight, man. All right, what's up? How are you guys doing? Uh we're we're talking about the Red Sox right now, which is which is very interesting considering the trade deadline of the season they're having. But you know, uh, let's do it. It's I mean, and we were just talking before the show started. If this was a and I don't I don't know what uh, the previous host uh, Josh Lewin said about the team too much. I on, I only caught a few episodes here and there, but if they played a hundred sixty two game season this year, I don't know what I would do. It would be it would be the most brutal, painful thing to watch. <laughs> that's why that's the silver lining, man. Is that it's a sixty game season, and if you're gonna have a year that was gonna be like this, you might as well have it just be sixty games, just get it over with. Hope that you know now that you reset the luxury tax, that you know you, you can add some more talent and be competitive. Although I, I still feel like they're a year, even two years away from being competitive. I know they can go out there and they can make a splash, you know, money wise, but. My God, it, to your point, thank God it's 60 games. And because it's only 60 games, I'm almost kind of, I, I find it somewhat comical. Right. And I mean, especially like one team who is just making noise this year. And if it's going to happen for this team, it's going to be the COVID 2020 year. The Slam Diego Padres. Yeah. I don't know where the hell these guys came from. It, it's so, it's ironic too, because they can never get people to go to Petco Park. Like I spent a little bit of time out in San Diego, like, a, like 12 years ago. They couldn't do anything to get people to go to Padres games. Maybe this year finally would have been the year where people are like, you know, this team's kind of fun and interesting. Instead, of course, it's COVID. So it would make sense to your point that if, if the Padres were like, yeah, you know what? We're going to win a World Series finally. It would be this year. And I hope that's they do. Their, that's the advantage. They're used to this. They're used to not having anybody in the stands. It's true. So, so like the Red Sox are like, what the hell is this? Like even Alex Verdugo came from LA. He was like, what? Used to pack stadiums. And now the Padres are like, guys. Don't worry, we got this. Them and the Rays. The Rays are at the top of the division, too. That's true. Uh, our sponsors, like usual, for... Honestly, for a lot of CLNS media, for many of the shows, I also host, if you guys uh, recognize the voice, I also host the CLNS Media Patriots Roundtable. BetOnline.ag, the best website when it comes to sports betting. Guys, the way is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, and if you are, be careful. But you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures today. Head over to BetOnline today and take advantage of all this great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, so, I mean, we talk about the trade deadline, and we're going to get into that more in depth in a second because I think that the trade deadline, it's it's less about what they got in return because, I mean, it wasn't much, but it's more about what, who they didn't trade, especially with the rumors that were circulating, honestly, since the start of the season. But there's one specific day we've been waiting for, Tom, all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. August 31st wasn't because of the trade deadline. It's because this is the day that the Red Sox needed the season to reach because if it didn't, the luxury tax was not going to reset. We're going to have to watch another bad year of baseball, but the the luxury tax next year for the Red Sox, it resets, which is like, this is the most important year of the season. It's huge. And then you do look in advance and you say, all right, what's really out there for starting pitching? Cause I don't think the market's that, that good. 
And clearly, they need to add at least one, two more starting pitchers. Yeah. I mean, even if you think Eduardo Rodriguez and Nathan Evaldi are going to be back next year and going to be, you know, some of what you would expect them to be, what are the odds that they get through the season healthy? You, you always have to consider that. And, and I guess, Erod, it's, it's much more serious now than it was before, and it was just the subluxation of his knee because he has the heart condition. But you need that money. you got to bring some starting pitching in because when I look at this team and this franchise as a whole right now, it's just – it's like borderline inexcusable for their farm system to produce the pitching that they've trotted out there this season. Like, you should have something in the pipeline ready to go in these situations, and they, they just they are in dire need of pitching. It's the Dave Dombrowski effect. And, you know, and there are so many people, and, and there are so many fans who are just irrational about, about winning, winning World Series and then being upset about certain things because – I completely understand why everybody was was pissed off and upset about the Mookie Betts deal. But you had to replenish the farm system, to your point, because mm-hmm. when you have Dave Dombrowski in here, and this is what we knew the second that he came, the moment he stepped in, he sent uh, he sent prospects out to San Diego to bring over Craig Kimbrell. That's what he does. He rips apart farm systems. Poor Detroit is still a barren wasteland up there. Still a barren wasteland. Yeah. So this is what was going to happen. And I mean, so you brought up pitching. There's one guy who I I worry because he's always been good but not great, but he's having a really good season this year and he's making a splash on social media. And I'm a fan of him because he talks a lot of crap, but I am genuinely concerned that the Red Sox are going to go out this offseason and throw an overpriced amount of money at Trevor Bauer. Because I don't like, I don't think he's going to keep up what he's been doing. Yeah. I don't love Trevor Bauer, but again, you look around and you're like, okay, well, if you don't love Trevor Bauer, what do you want? What do you want him to do? Who right. do you want them like, to get? Do, do, it. do you want him to go get three more Martin Perez's? You know what I mean? Go get a guy who's going to have an ERA between five and six, maybe win 10 games in a regular season. Do you want three of those guys? Or would you rather have someone like Trevor Bauer, who is a quality pitcher? He's also, you know what, from a media standpoint, He's going to mix it up, too. So he's, he's good for business in, in that regard as well, you know? Oh, he's going to get into it, for sure. Yeah, you know? So so why not? I know you don't love that idea, but sometimes you have to look around and say, well, it's the best available. Maybe go ahead and sign him. I, I'm not totally against it. Right, and, and especially when you look at the offense as a whole, because we talked about at the start of the season, okay, if there's going to be one, if the Red Sox are going to win games, because it's a 60-game season, anything can happen. The Red Sox are going to win games. It's going to have to be like 13-2. to They're 13-12. to The pitching isn't good, but the offense is really good. Really hasn't panned out that way, especially when you have guys like Andrew Benintendi who just aren't producing that the way that even even close to what you anticipated the way that they would produce. So the offense, I don't think you have to do too, too much to, but I mean, yeah, you, you got to focus on pitching. Heim Blooms just seems to sign every $5 pitcher that hits the waivers. Uh, so who knows what they're going to do in the bullpen, on the bullpen side of things. But starting, I mean, yeah, I would I would like to see Trevor Bauer here. I just, I worry about the amount of money and the amount of years it's going to take to get him here. So like I said to start, I think it's more based on reaction to this trade deadline, who they didn't trade, because there were rumors happening and obviously so Kevin Pillar traded Josh Osage traded who many people didn't even know about before he made his way up to the Red Sox uh Mitch Moreland gone to Slam Diego future World Series champions and then they didn't trade Owen also Brandon Workman Heath Embry so they didn't trade John Heyman which 
if you if you could not read into this story that he put out there at all, 20% chance they were trading Xander Bogarts. They know that if they traded Xander Bogarts, Fenway Park would have been lit on fire. People would not have reacted well to that by any means. No, and look, when he put that report out there, I, to me, there were two untouchables. Two guys I didn't want to see him trade, and that was Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. And uh, even Devers is kind of in a frustrating season, but I, I just I love his raw power. I love his raw talent. And you know what? If you're going to have a down year, have it now, just while no one's looking and while it doesn't matter. Those two guys I want to make sure they held on to. You look at a guy like Alex Verdugo, other people said, oh, you know, Verdugo, there's another one that should be untouchable. But then again, it's whatever. If you can flip them and get some top quality prospects, particularly pitching prospects, I think I would have been okay with that. Some people almost started talking me into being okay with trading Xander Bogarts if you could once again get top level prospects, pitching prospects. And I think what Heyman was doing and um, who was the other? Ken Rosenthal, I think, also talked about it too because he's got the opt out. And it's, is it two years from now he's got the opt-out? Yeah. So they're looking at it saying, well, you don't want to be in that same situation you're in with Mookie Betts where it's, he's an impending free agent. Uh, do you maybe just try to move on a year too early? I love the fact that he's still here. And I think that if you're going to have Devers here, you need to have Bogarts here because a lot of people – behind the scenes, those two guys work really well together. Bogarts has been huge for Devers and his development. So some of the other names, though th- – and this is what kind of stunned me because when I went into – the weekend, I thought, all right, J.D. Martinez should be gone. There's, there's a name that you should definitely see moved on from. Uh, they obviously traded Mitch Moreland. Uh, but Martinez might have been the one that I keyed on the most and said, he's gone. Some, some team out there is going to need him. He's going to be of use to them. He, they have the DH in the National League now. It kind of, because they didn't trade him, that tells me that they didn't get as many offers for him. They didn't get the market they wanted for him. So if you're high in bloom, why just move on from him to move on from him when you could possibly trade him in the offseason if he opts in? You know what I mean? So I, I think maybe they kept their options open as far as that goes. Maybe they didn't move on from some of the other names because they said maybe we'll get a better market in the offseason. Christian Vasquez being another one. And by the way, Christian Vasquez, the more I thought about that, I was that's a power hitting catcher. Those guys are kind of hard to find. So unless Absolutely. you have a backup plan, let's not just give these guys away. So that's why... I kind of warmed up to the weekend that Bloom had when I think if he asked me two weeks ago if the, the the players you just listed off were the only ones that they traded, I would have been pissed. I mean, yeah, and so J.D. Martinez obviously is the most important one that you that you brought up. And I think he's going to end up staying here because I don't think the market's going to be as big for him as he once thought, especially with the NL not taking over the DH. Right, they're not going to uh, full DH next year, right? They're going back to regular season I'd be I'd be surprised. I mean, I, I, think, I can't remember. If I they don't made think a they are. But like, the players are going to say, "Give us the full time DH." It creates more jobs. It's going to create you know more opportunities for those guys. There's no reason to have pitchers hit. I mean, that, that's the other thing too. Like with this COVID baseball, some of these things are working, right? The National League DH works. Yes. That, that's, they yes. And you're. I mean, like again, I'm just a temporary host right now for the show. But as of right now. This is an anti-pitchers hitting podcast. I am so against that. But it's good for the business for the Red Sox because that means J.D. Martinez, if the if the National League adds in that DH role, J.D. Martinez will opt out because there's going to be now an extra gaggle of teams that are going to need a DH. And a lot of them don't have a guy like J.D. Martinez just waiting there in the Raptors. So they're going to go after him and throw him there in their lineup. So it's good for the Red Sox right now 
that the NL does not have that, or at least in the long term, the NL doesn't have that. But going back to my point about these guys who are still on the team and what it means, I think the Red Sox, I think that signifies that the Red Sox know that they are not entering a full-blown rebuild like a couple years ago. I think next season, as long as they add in a starting pitcher, and you know what? I'd even be cool bringing Martin Perez back as your number five guy. That guy's got a great attitude. He's not great, but I, I just I love the energy. I love the positive vibes he brings, especially on Twitter. He's the best, at least on Twitter. Um, but the fact that they held on to some of these guys, and who knows, they could deal them over the offseason, but that tells me that they know that this team can contend, at least make some noise next year. And you remember, believe, hold I mean, on, hold on. You believe that they can truly contend next year? I think if you add another pitcher— When you say contend, knows, when you say contend, do you mean— title. Okay, well, that, that, but isn't that what it's all about? Maybe be a playoff team. (laughs) So now we're getting closer. Okay, so now we're getting closer to the mean and and closer to the middle, which maybe be a playoff team. That tells you everything right there about how you feel about the 2016 Sox. That team was was better. That team was better than next year's team's going to be to me. See, I don't know because I think Alex Verdugo, who especially is getting comfortable with this guy's got a wild personality. I think he's just going to thrive once the fans come back too. And I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a whole other question now because Bloom's talking him up so much. Here's the quote. Bloom on JBJ post-trade deadline. We love Jackie. That shouldn't be news. He's been here for a long time. He means an enormous amount to this organization. For me personally, not having known him as long, I've still come to regard him so highly and see what an incredible person he is. We know he's a good player. We'd love to have him for a long time. But that was the case months ago. In It's the case yesterday. It's the case today. It's the case tomorrow. So I don't think there's anything to read into that, not trading him today. But it shouldn't be news. That's how we've always felt about Jackie, which I'm so back and forth on Jackie Bradley Jr. His name's always up there in the trade rumors. But he's going to need a new contract. I don't know if I want the Red Sox to even pay him what he's getting paid this year, which I believe is 11 mil. Yeah, you, you you can't afford them at that price, especially if you're looking to to rebuild and move forward. I, to me, Hein Bloom's comments from a business standpoint say to me that the market really wasn't out there. I, I think that we didn't really know what to expect from you know a COVID trade market and a shortened season where you have more teams maybe in play. At the same time, I I think some teams were reluctant to go out and Jackie Bradley Jr. for a contender is going to be a defensive replacement. Right, he's a defensive right. replacement. I just don't know how much of a market was out there for for a defensive replacement, especially when you have a guy. I mean, in the farm system, they've got Jaron Duran, who's 23 years old. This kid's on the cusp of coming up and being your starting center fielder. He's an absolute freak athlete. So I was more surprised. You're probably right. There probably wasn't really too much of a market, if any, of a market for Jackie. And it seems like that's been the case every time, every single time we have this conversation. Oh, Jackie Bradley, he might be on the trade block this year. Oh, he's, he's going to be gone before the season starts every single year. What was the choice? Tw- there was the Jose Abreu trade, I think, from a couple yeah. of years ago, right? Wasn't he involved in those, those trade rumors? When, yeah. Would have been nice. I don't even know what Jose Abreu is doing these days, but... I, 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 last year, he was really good. I don't... I mean, the White Sox are making noise, too, so he's probably... Oh, yeah, because they have Yoan Moncada, right? You know, they, they, they have all the Red Sox prospects that panned out from the Chris Sale trade. Which, which, by the way, I mean, looking at it now, with Ben Intendi just... And Ben Intendi hasn't just been bad this year. He's been awful. Hold on. And you got yes. Jack Yoan Moncada. I mean, you, hindsight right now, 
not great, especially because they asked for Benintendi initially. The White Sox did. But, I mean, in the end, I, you still have got to be happy with the trade, especially when you look back at what Benintendi's done. Yeah. Yes. My question for you is, what is Andrew Benintendi at this point? Because to me, and, and his, he got off to a horrible start this year, so I don't think he's that bad. But to me, he's he looks like an average left fielder. Like, everyone keeps telling me yes. that he, he his ceiling is as an all-star – uh, an all-star left fielder, and I don't know, maybe some people thought he could be more than that. I just don't see that with Andrew Benintendi. No, and I think especially he's point, yeah, I think I think that's exactly what he's been during his, during most of his time here. And like when he first came up, we, we were all like obsessed with the kid with the flow who's making that crazy catch. I think it was at the trop when he went slamming into the wall, dove half of his body over the wall, almost hit a table. Like he he jumped up and was right off the bat, like, okay, this kid's yeah. gonna be great. And he's you know been just You're mediocre. Right. Yeah, no, he, he did. He he was awesome when he came back up. And to your point too about like the, the teams from a few years ago. That's when you needed an injection of excitement. And so he kind of also yeah. provided that at the right time. Yeah, he did. But, and again, I mean, just, just looking at the guys, too, I was I was kind of bummed that Kevin Pillar is gone. Not because I think he really is necessary for this team right now, because he's not. I was thinking, you know, maybe you can sign him back next year on a cheap deal, but he's maybe you still can. But Pilar was just, he's so, he made those Pilar like catches this year. The guy is so electric in center field. At least give me something. Like, I'm watching these games still. I'm still a dedicated fan, and I'm one of the few left watching these games. And even for me, Tom, I want to claw my eyes out. I am so bored. You have to embrace it. You have to embrace it. It's a special year. You don't have to watch every single pitch. In fact, if you admitted that you were watching every single pitch, I'd say that you're absolutely nuts, and I don't even know why I agreed to do this, because I, you, there's not enough time in your life to be spending four hours, and that's right, they're still playing four-hour games, too many of them, spending four hours on this baseball team. It, it's just, it's maddening, and that's why you have to look at it from the other side and say, you know, this is kind of comical. The Red Sox are having one of the worst seasons. Worst pitching staff I think I've ever seen in my, in my uh, lifetime. Oh, yeah. Watching this team, for sure. Worse than the 2015 one. They're doing it during a 60-game season. It's, it's, it's during a season in which there were times when we thought, you know what, they're not even going to play baseball. Can you, can you imagine if we never even saw how bad this could be if instead they just kind of thought they were okay and then somehow went into 2021 having everyone fooled thinking they're not as bad as you think they are. No, we needed this to see how bad they are so that they could be held accountable for 2021. We got a gift. You, like, I mean, I mean, <laughs> COVID, 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 the pandemic is not a gift, but as far as the Red Sox season goes, I mean, it's the perfect time again to have 60 games, 162 games of this would be absolutely brutal. I mean, and you, so you mentioned the pitching staff, right? The starting pitching staff in and of itself is it's, it's the worst I've ever seen during, I'm only 26 years old, but during my lifetime, this is the worst I've ever seen. And that includes the 2015 John Farrell five aces season with Clay Buckholtz right there at the top. Like this is, this is worse than that. I would die to have Who that. Who else was in that rotation? Was uh, Wade Miley. I think Felix Dubrant was. Uh, uh, Porcello was, wasn't he? Porcello, was, he was that Porcello's first year? I, look, that, that rotation wasn't that bad. It really wasn't that bad. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's not nearly as bad as what you're looking at right now. I mean, and, so, so, no, it was bad, but it's not nearly as bad as it was. No, not even, no, not even close. Five, not even five aces. I'm just glad that we didn't have any. And plus, I mean, like people forget Alex Cora is in the middle of a suspension right now from the league. 
Like we've got Ron Renicky at, at, at the top of this, and and he's probably a very nice guy, right? But I mean, yeah. you want to talk about boring. So hold on, let's just real quick, because I just want to make sure you understand that that rotation wasn't that bad. Wade Miley, Rick Porcello, Joe Kelly, Eduardo Rodriguez, Clay Buckholtz. All five of those guys threw over 100 innings that season. All five of them had an ERA under five. Okay? So no one was above five for the ERA. Like, that's not that bad of a rotation. Buckholtz was pretty good, good for a stretch of his career. No, it's not. Joe Kelly still is still relevant today. Eduardo Rodriguez, everyone's telling me he's going to win 20 games again, which was crazy to think he's going to win 20 games again. Rick Porcello? serviceable. I wish they brought him back this year at the price that the Mets were paying him. And Wade Miley, yeah, whatever. He's he's your Martin Perez. Well, Wade Miley, actually, after he left the Red Sox, he got better. But I'm still, I mean, like, what, what's that? The Five is the mark for being good? Uh, no, five's <laughs> not the mark for being good. Just like if you're under five, that's not terrible, which is what we're seeing. Like, their, their ERA as a team right now is 6-1-6, I think. Like, that's awful. Do you know what their run differential yeah. is? The run no. differential is the worst in baseball by far. It's minus 60, okay? The Pirates have won 10 games, I think. I think it's 10 games. Maybe it's 11 now. Whatever. There's like minus 40. So it's it's unbelievable how much worse they are. Listen, you sometimes you got to tank for Trevor Lawrence, and that's what the Red Sox are doing. Yeah, apparently. Throw him out there. If Trevor Lawrence isn't playing football this year, get him on the mound. Use that, use that cannon. Because it would it would be the most entertaining thing of this team this year. But again, besides like Alex Verdugo, who's really like, I'm excited for that kid's baseball future here. I think that he's actually got something going with, especially because he was a Red Sox fan growing up. I think he's going to be a solid addition to this team baseball wise. I hope you're right. But hey, Tom, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. <laughs>